Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Lee Pooley and I'm the Director of Coaching and Qualifications at British Canoeing and this is the Coaching Podcast. This is slightly uh, slightly different, we're going to do a mini-series and the mini-series is all about what's in your buoyancy aid and what's in your boat. It's where we're going to chat with experienced coaches and guides to find out what they carry and why. So I'm really delighted to uh, have Georgina Maxwell with us again because you did did a podcast around uh, decision making. So welcome Georgina. Hi, hi Lee. You're right. Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Good. What I'd like you to do, just in case someone hasn't listened to the decision making, which I'll be very disappointed about if they haven't, but if they if someone hasn't li- listened to the decision making podcast that, that we did with Dan Wilkinson, is could you um, just give people a bit of a, an overview about yourself? Okay, yeah, hi. Um, I'm Georgina Maxwell. I live up in the north of Scotland. I've been up here 13 years now, originally from the Yorkshire Dales, Swaledale, and well, I've had a whole career in the outdoors, so I'm I'll be turning 40 next year ah. and and uh, I started paddling at 16 but I also entered the outdoors at 16 through college which progressed on to university and then it progressed on to a career in um, in, in the outdoors so it was a trainee in the Lake District to working full-time in a school in Scotland and for the past for ages it feels now I've been freelance run my own course courses. I work on a lot of British canoeing awards and yeah, I'm also a mountaineer as well. So I do ice climbing and, and skiing and, and all sorts. So yeah, pretty exciting life. <laughs> it sounds very exciting. And you've got a whole breadth of experience of adventure sport really. So um, what we're going to focus on today is the, is the paddling side of your, of your career, Georgina. And what we want to do is, um, we're going to focus on whitewater paddling, aren't we, for this particular particular area? You're going to... So, could you describe, you know, your whitewater whitewater background and what you're probably going to draw on from you know, your experience? Yeah. Okay. So, um, my whitewater background actually started at the old Tees Barrage um, as sort of in play boating, uh, so a very closed environment there. And then as I went went further through university and stuff, it, it progressed onto the rivers and then the rivers abroad in the in the Alps. Um, I haven't done any big volume stuff over in Nepal. That's that's not what I've focused on. I've been all over the Alps from Corsica, uh, Slovenia, French Pyrenees, Spanish Pyrenees to Norway. Yeah, all, basically all the popular venues in the Alps I've paddled. And, and now it's just it's Scotland as well. So that's predominantly where I work is Scotland. So I'm coming from this from a bit of a, a leader point of view, but also from a personal paddler point of view as well. All right. Brilliant. OK, so um, let's dig into your buoyancy aid then. So what, what do you carry in your buoyancy aid? Yeah, so um, I've, I'll, 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 I'll send you a li- I'll t- tell you a list of things I've got, but I've also things that were always there. So actually, probably I'll just start with the things that are always there. Would you, uh, would you like an explanation of of each one, or should I just list what I've got for now, and then you can pick me up on that? Well, if you if you don't if you don't tell us why, we will be asking. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I ca- I'll start right at the top. I carry a, um, a a tape and carabiner. So you've probably seen these big long tapes that you can buy from various retailers 
um, paddle sport um, retailers. And then there's a carabiner on the end and that gets all nicely rolled up and, and popped away in my buoyancy aid. I do a lot of advanced paddling, so um, grade fours, grade, grade five environment. So that's handy for a lot of things from lowering a boat down just a little steep bit to taking it round, I don't know, just nipping it round something in the water still. Um, and, and all, of course, you can use it in some rescues too. So a tape and carabiner. Um, in there also is a knife. I think, you know, if you're, if you're using ropes and, and things or in the paddle, paddling anyway, you've got chances of snag. So a knife is a pretty crucial piece of kit. That knife uh, really should be be able to be open with one hand. <laughs> I don't want to do any horror stories on this, but I do know somebody capsized and caught a hair in some barbed wire and cut a, had to cut a hair off. So <laughs> having that one hand opening knife is a, is a good idea. Um, in there as well, I've got a whistle. So that's, that's pretty integral to any rescue. Some people use it for communicating on the river. Personally, I don't. Um, but yeah, it's, it, for me, it's for a rescue in there. I've got a phone. I always bring my phone. Even if I don't have signal, I've got my phone in there because on my phone is my mapping software. And mapping, you know, a lot of people go, well, if I just have a grid reference, I can tell you where I am. I, I'm very passionate about being able to make decisions about where you are rather than just tell people about where you are. So on there is is, is mapping. And if it's um, abroad or I don't have access to that type of map, it'll have it'll have some sort of river, um, some sort of real map, physical map, either in my boat or or on me. They're the things that I've always got with me in my buoyancy aid. So the things I've listed there, things that hang around in there. <laughs> so I had a good dig in my buoyancy aid today. This is the odd sweetie wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's um, a spare bung plug. Uh, I always carry that in there because you never know when you might need it. And then instead of ratching around in the back of the boat, it's quite accessible. It's so small, it just sits in there. Then there's sun cream, uh, perhaps. That's one of them things that might come and go out of there. But a really small, compact one is pretty handy or some lipsal at certain times of the year. I have a snack in there as well, depending on what I'm doing. It's a quick blast, I might not, but, you know, some sort of emergency food for, for myself. It, that's in there and then there's my earplugs that might come on come on um depending on what i'm doing so if i'm a bit more play boating orientated or know that i'm going to be surfing waves a lot they'll be with me but sometimes i struggle to hear through them so mm. they're on and off all the time so they're back inside my uh, buoyancy aid and then we're up to a notepad that's in there sometimes there's stuff behind that's if i'm assessing dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then there's um well there's, the van keys might be in there but generally if anyone knows my van they're, they're with my van <laughs> so um and then finally i've gone through a little bit of a ev evolution with having a closed dyneema sling uh stuffed up my the, my buoyancy aid and that's a, like a really quick deployed if I need to move a boat across the water instead of getting the big long one out and having to tie a knot in the end, that might be a contentious point. It might be a course for conversation, but I don't actually carry it at the moment, but if I'm working with certain groups, I might do. Mm -hmm. So that's inside my buoyancy aid. I hope you either wrote them down or you had a chance to think about some of them. Well, um, I, think, I think I've got a couple of questions, if you don't mind. So you talk about a Dyneema sling and a, a length of tape. What length are they? Oh yeah, so I think it's five meters is the red one, okay. and um, the Dyneema one 
I'm rubbish with lengths of them. It's the big long one. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it means that you, you're basically the perfect distance away from that boat if you're going to tow it over your shoulder as a releasable uh, way of towing. Yeah. But I don't always take that one. Sometimes I do. Instead, compact is Dyneema. It's really good for that sort of thing. It's, yeah, it's good for that. Whereas the big fat tape is, is difficult to get away sometimes and, and, and work with. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, in terms of your buoyancy, then, um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, you were saying, well, the snack's just for me. There's no one, no one else. It's just in case I need it. So are you suggesting that that is, that's how you would always pack it? You wouldn't change anything around if you had, you know, you talk about the sling underneath, don't you, around the Dyneema sling. But, you know, in terms of your content of your buoyancy, would you be changing anything if, depending on groups? Yeah, okay. So um, very quickly, again, just to recap things that are always there, the tape and crab, the knife, the phone and the mapping and the whistle, mm -hmm. they're always there. Um, the rest of the things will change around a bit. Um, so in, for instance, if it's really, really sunny, um, I'm going to be taking the sun cream. If I'm in charge of people, let's have a quick think of what changes in the buoyancy aid itself. Not a lot, because I'd probably say to my group, make sure they have their own snack inside their buoyancy aid. I don't think there's anything additionally in there that I have to put in the buoyancy aid. The other stuff changes, the boat and the group kit. Yeah. But um, for, for inside my buoyancy aid, I don't think an awful lot changes. And then just a bit of an insight. You said, you know, you delved into the into the buoyancy aid today and, and found a, a wrapper. How often do you take all the stuff out and, 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 yeah. and you know? Yeah, so um, I actually do dry the sling and crab out um, and the knife. I've got a lovely wood burner up here in the north of Scotland and, and they just they'll come out and they'll sit on the side next to that. Um, I think it's important to dry that sort of kit out, otherwise it can get a bit mouldy or full of grit or um, whatever. And especially with the, the carabiners, them as well, they need need looking after because I have run a few safety courses and uh, people have brought their carabiners out that guy. They must have been from the 1920s or something. <laughs> <laughs> some of them don't do up or some of them brought out these rusty mayons and all sorts so yeah looking after your your hardware your knives because they can get a wee bit rusty in there so yeah look after that so there's one more thing that sometimes goes into my buoyancy aid but not always and that's a mini folding saw okay Um, sometimes that can go in there or sometimes it's in the back of the boat depending on what's what's going on and what is depending on what's going on probably if I think I'm going to a very tree-lined bit of water um, I have pruned a few trees just to get a good view on something it's not obviously it's not a recommended thing to do but it's just to clear a little sort of really wild area definitely not something you would do when you're paddling near someone's back garden okay all right well um really nice insight to your buoyancy aid and that, that's that's great Probably the one that's going to, as you sort of alluded to then, is your, the kit inside your boat will probably change depending on, on the type of environment and the group you're paddling with. So could you give us an insight into what you carry in your whitewater kayak? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So inside my boat, because I've actually put three lists down here with the questions you've given me. You've given me inside my BA, inside my boat, and I've actually made a third list to separate a little bit of of group kit so i'll come i'll come to group kit in a second because some of them things may be in my boat if i'm not in charge of a group or if um i've got the kit and my friend doesn't say so inside my boat i have a throw line and airbags and they're the things that are always there 
And then of course I've got something to drink. So that might be a hot or cold drink, depending on what type of conditions I'm paddling in. A pin kit and a head torch, a repair kit that's got a multi-tool and some cord. It'll have some really strong um, cable ties, really that strong gorilla tapey duct tape stuff. And then I've also carry in my boat an emergency layer of clothing. I'll chat about that in a second. And then, yeah, the saw that could be in my boat or in my BA. Okay, so they're the things that are in my boat. Should I just tell you the group kit as well, just so we can discuss it all? Why not? Why not? Yeah, okay. So in the group kit, slash, I, I might put slash leader kit, because this this is the kit that if you are in charge of people and you're you're looking after their safety, you want to make sure you've definitely got it with you, you covered that. So group shelter as I think is a pretty crucial piece of kit. And actually I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate a minimum less than six people because if you've ever tried to get into a group shelter of four with all of your kit on, it's, it's really not very easy. So yeah, sort of a, a six man group shelter. And that what couples up with that quite nicely is a blizzard bag. So if you haven't come across a blizzard bag, it's, um, it's not just your foil blanket. It's like two pieces of foil blanket with like a, like corrugated iron on a roof it's got that sort of structure inside so it traps a layer of air and um once a person's in that or in the group shelter they'll be very toasty with that blizzard bag as well you can get it in two size. you can get it in two sizes so you can get a jacket shape or you can get a, a sleeping bag shape and i'd probably say get the get the sleeping bag shape because then you can actually wrap it around or you can cut it down or whatever you can do it's a bit more um versatile then another thing that i've um I've actually started taking, and everyone might people might think they're pretty useless, but you know hand warmers that you can buy in the shop for like a quid? They were pretty crucial in a part of a rescue that I was involved with not that long ago. And we basically stuffed it all over that person in their clothing. So it actually heated up their core rather than just thinking it's a hand warmer. So yeah, these and you can get them like for your shoes as well, can't you? So that sort of hand warmer that you can buy in the, the entrance to the supermarket this time of year. Yeah, I think... There was quite a few amongst a group when we had this uh, individual who who was very, very cold. And, and I think it was counted around 15 fell out the jacket when they got to hospital. So. <laughs> um, and they, they could have been a pretty crucial part of um, getting that person warmed up again. So, yeah, the hand warmers. Pogies as well this time of year or some sort of uh, shield over the over the hands or big mittens or something. If you if you have stopped and you need to warm somebody up. And then there's sort of things like energy gel that go inside the first aid kit. And then it's an adequate first aid kit as well. So it's not just your, you know, your, your little thing that you would take away just for you, your personal first aid kit or what pills you're on that day. It, it's, you know, it's something that's going to be able to solve situations in a very wet environment. So yeah, adequate first aid kit that has the gel inside and also inside mine or inside the bag, I actually carry a resource mask. And, and that's to pen, penetrate bubbles. If somebody's actually um, taking in a lot of water, they'll actually start producing all these bubbles that are coming out. And, and the way to save them is to just go straight through that. And you, you, you wouldn't fancy putting your mouth on that. So yeah, it's a, a face mask, recess mask for that. Um, what else is on there? Oh yeah, and the first aid kit side of things, it's always checking it and drying it um, because I have seen Again, on assessments, uh, people um, bring out the first aid kit and it's terribly mouldy and, and out of date and stuff. So making sure that that's all up to date and, and nice and tidy. 
and then I think yeah split paddles as well so that yeah the other thing I also take is a PLB so it's a personal location beacon um, it's very very common for sea paddlers to take it a lot less common for inland people on the water to take it but it's part of it's part of what I have now in my kit if I'm out with friends if I'm out with work in in, in the north of Scotland you don't always have phone signal and you know if you know it's a serious incident that's occurred you you press the button and it's hopefully a helicopter comes on its way to you so yeah that that's registered to me commercially and recreationally so that that's something that I, that I do always take now and there we go that's I think I covered everything wow yeah. that's a I mean, can I just go back? Um, you you talk about a pin kit. What does what does that what does your pin kit consist of? Yeah, so pin kit. Um, so if somebody, we actually came across a group that had pinned a canoe the other week, and fortunately, I was running a, an advanced safety course, so <laughs> I had a load of people that had done all of that the day before on it on the dry land, and it was a great scenario for them to unpin this canoe. <laughs> And canoers often take a lot more stuff with them, as, as well as rafters. But for, for white water, a very basic um, pin kit would consist of a pulley, two prusiks, and a couple of carabiners. And that should, that should solve the job, you know, together if everyone's got a carabiner in their jacket as well and, and that sort of thing. So that, that should cover most grounds. You can go really excessive with it. You can get really fancy with it. You can buy even pre-made pin kits or um, crevasse rescue kits which is pretty much the same thing but yeah keep it quite basic but also what I would recommend is is buying the type of carabiners and slings and things that you need from from a, a paddle a paddle shop retailer and um, that, that's actually a paddle uh, brand because um, you know they're, they're all strength tested they're all um, safety tested you know you don't want to be buying them off eBay or you know, coming from China or something that hasn't had all the tests that have been that they've been put through because there's a hell of a lot of horses involved when you start especially trying, trying to get that canoe out <laughs> so yeah and then you know so just I'm really intrigued and this you know maybe it's a sort of selfish uh selfish mini series that I've put together but I'm really intrigued is um where whereabouts in the boat do you do you place these things is it quite a you know almost a it's a religious thing that you know on the right hand side you've got this on the left hand side you've got that you know do you do you use any space in the front of the boat you know those, those types of questions yeah absolutely that's a really good question to ask and that that to me is going to change quite a lot I don't I'm not going to carry all this kit I've just just explained to you because really I can't you know I can't carry all of that group kit in the back of my boat and still perform on grade four or five water um, so I am going to very much make sure that there's a bit of a shared responsibility with some of that kit but also I'm going to keep hold of that really crucial kit sometimes I'm I'm less likely to be the one that's uh, <laughs> that's bobbing around in the water and the boat's gone so yeah there is some some kit that I will I will keep hold of myself back to the something like the pin kit as well like making sure it's protected from from the grit and from the you know I have just put it in the back of my boat just all tied together like a little bundle and it and it won't last that long doing that so having it a, a sort of stashed in a way that's going to be protecting that kit for its longevity but that's the sort of thing like a pin kit would be in my boat split paddles you know I'm not going to take that on every river I do if I'm on something like that that's got a road alongside of it um and 
or if I've got something that's got a really long walkout, but it's a fairly accessible bit of water, I, I might choose not to take it. There's lots of decisions there in what you do and what you don't take. You know, I think I really think gone are the days where you start going, oh, well, I can't take that because it's too heavy. Yeah, I remember my first times in the mountains going, oh, we haven't got room for a group shelter. You know, <laughs> I think gone are the days of that. I think, you, you know, you know what you need. You need to take it. And um, there's the very sort of small chances. Or if, say if I'm on an artificial white water course, I'm not going to take all that kit. So, yeah, it, it very much jumps around. But answer to your question, where do I put it all? There is certain things that that I need to know where they are, but also the group might need to know where it is as well. I'm very much into the start of the session or start of the day, or even with friends, you know, it's right. Who's got what, you know, who's got what today? And you, you make a note in mental note in your head. Okay. Well, they've got the first aid kit or they've got that. Okay. Oh, we've got everything. That's great. Because if something does happen, then you want to be able to access all this kit easily and quickly. So yeah, it's very much having that open atmosphere, being able to find out who's got what. Somebody had a really, a really good method of storing their split paddles. You can buy these paddle floats that, you know, for like training or learning to roll or whatever. And, and they stored their split paddles inside a paddle float. So then the airbag still worked. I thought that was quite a cool tip. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. But I have a like a it's like almost like a handbag um, and it's a little bag that opens up a bit. It's a bit difficult to open up. So if I'm working with people for the first time, I might show them how to open that because that'll have my PLB and it'll have my first aid kit. And it's a really obvious position in the boat. It's literally in the back of the boat. They'll, they'll see that. And it's like a bag that once you've brought that out, you've pretty much got everything out of my boat or whatever's left on me. So, yeah, it's all kind of stowed quite sweetly inside there and very organized and um, also the very conscious thinking about what's in there as well. So that it doesn't become too big and, and too bulky. Yeah. Well, Georgina, I think that was a, a real great glance insight into into the way that you operate as a as a coach, a guide, but also in your personal paddling as well. Because you know, you you did definitely give us that insight of you know. But what was really evident from all of this, and please please correct me if I'm if I'm incorrect, is that this is based you are making conscious decisions all the time about what to carry where you're paddling the people you're paddling with the environment the conditions the weather all of that came quite through quite strongly is that is that right that's absolutely right you know you can look through the books and go what should i be carrying but if you've got no knowledge of the kit that you're carrying then it's useless but also then you could end up carrying way too much so it's a very dynamic approach into what comes in and out of that boat and but I, I do say there was a core a load of core things that were that stay in the buoyancy aid but the rest of it it's very it moves around quite a lot and it might be that I'm not carrying a certain thing one day but my friend is I, I must say as a leader I do end up carrying a bit more than some of the clients depending on who the clients are and then even if I'm running an advanced assessment uh, I will I will never just assume they've got their they've got the right kit with them so i'll always be carrying my backups as well within my boat yeah brilliant so as always with this georgina and thanks very much for sort of you know going through all of the all of your kit because it, you know answering those questions so it's quite a personal thing isn't it here <laughs> what you carry and where you carry is quite personal but actually it's a huge amount of learning for everyone you know and even 
you know, from peer to peer, having those conversations. And, and sometimes they're not conversations. You just see how people are operating and, and you get cut a really nice way. A bit like this, the split example that you gave us. So a couple of random questions, if you don't mind, just as we bring this uh, podcast to a close. You are obviously um, a very active and renowned, you know, provider of British Canoe and Awarding Body uh, courses. So on an assessment, um, don't need to name any names. What's the most wackiest bit of equipment that you've ever seen someone bring on an assessment? Oh, man, probably the most um, disappointing piece of kit was... Um... And I'd waited, you know, often, often I'll wait further downstream, just, you know, if there's a nice little lull or if we end up having lunch, I'd be like, right, let's have a look at the quality of your kit. And there was this one individual that um, I, was like, I was like, what's in the bag? He's like, oh, it's just spare clothes. Well, let's have a look. And he pulls it out and it's a pair of boxes and a T-shirt. <laughs> that was his spare clothes. I'm like, who's that for? And he's like, well, it's for me. I was like, all right, okay. It just didn't make any sense, but it was just the spare boxes thing. I thought, we're not paddling that hard. <laughs> That's probably the wackiest, actually. I can't think of anything that really misplaced. No, I think it's, there's been a lot of very poor kit that, that has been, you know, um, split paddles that they've borrowed and they don't know how to put apart or um, a first aid kit. I gave the example earlier, actually, of this um, absolutely mould Oh, it's horrible. It's, you wouldn't want to put that on any wound. It was just completely mouldy, this first aid kit. So, yeah, there was that as well. Yeah. yeah. And then just sort of, you know, you know, just sort of picking up on some of those things that you said, you know, obviously regular checks, you know, to go through your kit to make sure it's still uh, functional. It's it's the right thing that to, to be carrying. But you talk about splits. You know, what would you, you know, what would you be recommending? Do you think we should, you know, have a go at paddling with splits to see if they're actually appropriate for the, the environment that we're operating in? Yeah, okay. A great question again. Thinking thinking about I think I would encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast to go away and think, okay, I'm carrying that. Why am I carrying that? But also what situation might there be the reason why I'm carrying that? So for instance, something like a like your splits, if they are a really poor set of splits that are that are really, oh, I don't know, just really heavy or clunky or something that you just don't think you can perform with and you're in a, a pretty advanced environment and you've got to get yourself out of that river, I would be recommending that they're the paddles that you've actually paddled with. Um, you can make the moves with, and if you're in a leadership position, you can actually look after people with. So I'd be recommending, I'm trying not to put any names to any, any kit I recommend tonight, but I, I would recommend something that's lightweight, but also pretty robust, very similar to some of the other paddles that you can actually buy that aren't splits and a four piece split as well, so that you can, you can really get it in these, either smaller boats or slicier boats, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. And um, so what, this is very personal by the way. So if, if it offends anyone, um, uh, we apologize right now, but um, so what's the best river in the uh, best white water river in the UK? <laughs> Oh, this was a debate on Facebook the, um, not that long ago, actually. And uh, I think all the North Walians were saying the Maudag, <laughs> <laughs> um, which actually I haven't paddled. So, ah. um, and well, I'm a swaled alien, so um, I'm going to have to say the swale. Okay. Um, there's some incredible adventures in Scotland, though, honestly. It's yeah. there's, there's so much. And when you've got a dam release of the Morriston every 
every week through the summer. It's it's only just finished as well. So we're in October. No, we're in November now. Um, so yeah, it's something like I think the Morrison's pretty good because there's always a vibe there as well. So Thanks. I suppose it's probably a local, isn't it? Anybody will say they're local. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I I can't hold you because I didn't actually say the one. I just you, so you gave several there just to hopefully yeah. please it please a, 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 a politician. Variety. Yeah. So you're only allowed one on this question then. Okay. Um, what would you say is the best whitewater river in Europe? Oh, how can I only have one? You know, like instantly your mind when you're, you're allowed. Asking, so, yeah, when, when a question so like, go on. Maybe it is, you're only, you, you know, for some reason, there's only one river that you can save and you could only ever paddle that ever again. Oh, man. That is so difficult. What, like all the other ones just totally go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that is impossible. That is absolutely impossible. Oh, what's got the most variety on it? You know, like, oh no, I'm going to be end up listing loads. I can't answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. When you ask I mean, that sort of question, you, your mind instantly goes to the last trip you were on. I was in Italy yeah. earlier this year and I was on the Egua and I've only ever paddled the Egua sort of like a mediocre, lowy type. And when we were there there was like constant thunderstorms every afternoon and the rivers were quite high and the Egua with water in it is insanely good <laughs> yeah so um yeah but there's so many rivers in the in the oh, i don't know from yeah. yeah probably an unfair question I very very bad question that <laughs> <laughs> yeah Georgina, thanks very much for your time um on the podcast really really appreciate it and um give us an insight into your buoyancy aid and your boat so thanks very much and take care thank you thanks for listening we hope you'll join us for the next episode remember to review rate and subscribe bye for now